Good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful morning here at Universal Imports at 834 Linden Avenue in Rochester. We are your import car specialist and now the home of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Visit us at greaseglamour.com for news and a list of our podcasts. You can email our producer at greaseglamourpodcasts at gmail.com. And you can grab our podcasts on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. I'm Mark Fierbacher, your host and president of Universal Imports. And joining me on this ride into the Grease and Glamour podcast is Aaron Kane. Hi, everyone. My name is Aaron Kane, and I'm an import car specialist here at Universal Imports. And the famous Jay Lawrence. Sure about, but yeah, this is Jay Lawrence. Uh, I'm a producer, I'm a director, I'm an ad guy, I'm a marketing guy, and more importantly, I'm an owner of two import cars. Yeah, so we thought it would be important to have someone with that kind of uh, resume uh, helping us through these podcasts. So, a little bit about Universal Imports. We are a family-owned and operated import car dealership here in Rochester, New York. We were founded in the early 80s by my mother and father, Gunther and Astrid Fierbacher, and it has been a family affair ever since. Uh, my sister, myself, my wife, my son, uh, my nephew, we have, we're all part of the business, and we uh, look forward to servicing your cars, selling you cars, whatever you need. And when it comes to import cars, we're here for you. Um, about 10 years ago, my father uh, had an idea to do a car care clinic, which he wanted to call the Grease and Glamour Car Clinic. Um, at that time, uh, no one was doing car clinics, and so we uh, we did a few on, on Saturday afternoons where we would show people different things about their car. Uh, we are now, it's 2018, we want to pick that name up again. So we are using Grease and Glamour as the name of our podcast. Um, this is not going to be a podcast about boring technical stuff on cars. This is going to be a podcast about fun things that happen to relate to cars. So without any further ado, we are going to be talking today about... You know, I, I thought we'd talk about those famous cars that are in famous movies. There's so many of them. And I got to tell you, going back and researching this, I don't know what you guys found, but pretty amazing stuff to see how many different cars have been used in, in oh, everything. It's Yeah, I, I, was, <laughs> I was doing the same thing looking in, and I've watched, started watching movies uh, based on some of the research I was doing and uh, spent almost half the night just watching old movies with famous cars in them. And that's where I found out well, that's why I'm not even sure Aaron should belong in this podcast because she hasn't even seen Smokey and the Bandit. I can't. And I can't believe it. I haven't seen a lot of these movies we're about so, to talk about. So maybe if we do nothing else but educate Aaron on the movies she should be watching, <laughs> you know, and, and even other people that are listening to the podcast, like I was, I was telling Aaron before we got started, you know, Smokey and the Bandit. Listen, that is probably the first really, you know focused movie on cars and just cars you know long before like fast and furious oh yeah i mean like so i remember so 77 was the firebird trans am that burt reynolds had in smoking the bandit and in 77 i was the ripe age of six and i had the matchbox car immediately and uh boy i wish i still had it because 
that is even though i'm an import car guy that is just the american car for me man i would love to have a black trans am with that gold eagle on the front so iconic yeah absolutely so iconic you know and for me coming from the film background you know that that movie alone that was you know hal needham's first movie that he directed with his and then he got his friend in and if you know anything about hal needham he's a stuntman Oh. And that was his first uh, his first run at the and the studios never even wanted to give him that movie. They didn't think it would ever do anything. And how many years later are we still talking about Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit? Yeah, it started and, his career. And, and not just because he just passed away, which that was a huge blow to the to the Hollywood community because he was just out in so many great movies. Oh man, uh, yeah, so. long before you, Aaron, obviously. I, this is way before I was born yeah. here. <laughs> Well, yeah, so, you know, you go from American muscle car to, uh, you know, really high-class English cars. You go to the James Bond yeah. series of You know, cars. I'm glad you said that because you're talking about 1977. In 1977, the movie came out, Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. You know what the car was? No. I'd never even heard of one, got to be honest. The Lotus Esprit? Oh, oh. yeah. What? The Esprit, yeah. What? Esprit. What? Yeah. What is that? Well, you know, Lotuses are still around, and you, they're those cars that when you come up on them, you're not sure, is that a Lamborghini, is that a Ferrari, is that a Lotus, what is that thing, yeah. They're, uh, they're unique, but um, when, I, when I think of those cars, so like late 60s, early 70s, English or German cars, you know, there's nothing like that original Aston Martin that uh, James Bond was driving in. DB5. Yeah, and you... And who can deny the, you know, the best James Bond was driving it, right? Sean Connery. I, I think everybody here could agree on that. Unless Aaron hasn't seen it. She probably hasn't seen it. I have so only know who seen the is. Daniel Craig ones, unfortunately, so. Let me guess. What's the what's the woman's take on the Daniel Craig James Bond? I mean, Daniel Craig is, is pretty good looking, so, you know, that's, it's okay. <laughs> well, so, because you haven't seen it, I'll talk to Mark on this. So that 1963 Aston Martin. Do you know what two movies that the Aston Martin was used in for James Bond? Oh boy. Uh, well, let's let's go with a, an easy answer. Probably Doctor No. That's number one. And I'll just say Doctor No. No, that's not that's not one. No. Ah. Mm, see. Man with the Golden Gun. Mm, no, kind of close. Goldfinger. Yes. There you go. I couldn't hit you anymore on that. <laughs> Uh, and then, okay, and we're talking about the DD5. Yep, yeah, just one more. They used it in. It's an old one, right? Mm, oh, yeah. Um, Spy You Love Me? No, I'll tell you what, it's Thunderball. Thunderball. I knew that it was in Goldfinger. I had no oh, idea about Thunderball. And Thunderball, yeah, Thunderball. That's um, that's also a Sean Connery, uh, James Bond, right? Yeah, I, was, I had that confused with Moonraker, which was... One of Roger, Roger Moore, yeah. which, by the way, you know, uh, I like Roger Moore ones because I think that, and I think we talked about it earlier, that it's a it's a different type of James Bond. It was a little more fun. There was some, oh, yeah. there was some more comedy and stuff, but they had some great, you know, action. I, I look at it and go, James Bond above anything else is action scenes. Yep. And it's always about some type of car, whether it's a car that actually is in the water. Yeah, I'll mm -hmm. tell you my favorite James Bond opening because. All Aaron, for, for those of you out there and Aaron who don't know, James Bond movies always start with an opening action sequence. That's their thing. So their their whole sort of storyline is action sequence, 
then this ridiculous song with weird graphics, and then into the movie. And the movie usually then starts with James Bond getting called into M's office and getting, you know, in trouble. Getting in trouble. <laughs> but um, I love the, the. It's it's actually not one of the best James Bond movies, but potentially the best opening, at least in my eyes, is the beginning of Octopussy. In the beginning of that movie, James Bond, who is played by Roger Moore. Uh, is sort of infiltrating this high-end uh, horse race. And then he has to escape, and he escapes with this little car that turns into a plane, and he flies off. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's its really corny, but it's just cool. I could watch it over and over again. I love it. It's a great. I, I think that those openings really do make for that for that franchise, you know. Um, they've just done so much with, their, with those franchises. What got us talking about this was, Wow, this is really one of the first, you know, long before the, you know, the smoking the bandits. This is one of those first product placements, oh, yeah. where they were very specific about the type of car. Up until today, the cars that they even use in the current Daniel Craig movies, which you have seen, mm-hmm. Aaron. I have seen. Them. Oh, by the way, the the Daniel Craig movie, there there was, and I'm not sure if it was Spectre or the one before it, uh, but. Uh, in one of the movies, they used, I think, seven Aston Martins, and they did $37 million worth of damage to them. Wow. Yeah. That's they, a lot of money. They, they used, and actually, I got it, it's um, Casino Royale and Spectre both used the Aston Martins. One was the DBS V12 in Casino Royale, and the Aston Martin DB10 in Spectre. Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure... As all you know, with all films, they they, they have at least ten of those. All in that silver, that silver color that that I think he was known for. Sure. Um, well, you know, when you talk about product placement, I can't help but notice that the the last couple times I was over in Europe at the Audi factory, and I saw how Audi was just dominating Bavaria, and and when you go to Germany, you especially Bavaria, and you're anywhere around Munich, you'll see that there's always this tug and pull between BMW and and Audi. Um, Mercedes also has a presence, but they're in Stuttgart, so they're a little bit west. But BMW and Audi are always sort of fighting for first place in, in, in terms of branding over there. And what I found, um, you know, probably 10 years ago or so, which was about the time like the Marvel universe really started to blow up, uh, is that Audi was putting a lot of money into movies. I, I think. Out, it really started with the Transporter movies, which, yeah. uh, which, you know, yeah. um, is that Jason Statham? Yep. Yeah. So Jason Statham, he's a he's a, a a car driver, right? I don't think he's even. I think he's not. He's just a driver. He is a driver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's driving yeah. an Audi A8 that can yeah. fly practically. <laughs> And he just happens to be a great fighter at the same time. Exactly. You get the best of both. You get the best of both, yeah, right? I wouldn't mind being Jason Statham (laughs) driving around those cars and being able to fight like he does. Yeah, right. um, So Transporter is where Audi, like, started to really come out in terms of movies. But then from there, you would see Audis in, like, everything. Even in just, like, little small cameo spots. And then Iron Man came out. I think that's the first time I really noticed... An Audi, especially the R8, to see that one for the first time, it's like, oh, okay, what is this car? Yeah, you know, beautiful. Yeah. you're like, it, I mean, it's it, it takes part of the show. I mean, you look at it, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah and then uh, and then they did. So in each Iron Man movie, they used a different version of an R8. Oh. So actually, I think in the second Iron Man, they went to the e-tron Audi, which is the electric version. 
uh, of the R8 that they, I'm not even sure, honestly, if it's available. I should probably know that. Then, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they, they really wanted to promote the technology that they're working on over there. And we're, I mean, we're better to do it than in Tony Stark's garage, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting when you're talking about that, when you look at the franchises that are using cars, Fast and Furious. Uh, I forgot what type of car it was. I think it was actually Toyota. Originally did not want it their cars in, in it at all. So I think one of the movies, or maybe their first one, they didn't actually use it. Then finally they came along to the to the thing that, you know, hey, it's, it's good to have our product in that car. Oh, my God, because if you think about it, uh, Fast and the Furious is, is the movie that 100% started the whole tuning era of cars. Right. I mean, shops were popping up left and right after the first Fast and Furious movie for you to get, and it was mainly Asian imports, um, that, you know, getting your, you know, getting the, getting the cars tuned up, getting chips put in them, you know, these superchargers and lowering the suspensions and, uh, that it was that movie started that whole era of, uh, of, of car tuning. Um, crazy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you, I've seen some people put some big money into some of their Subaru, Subaru WRXs and the S, you know, the STIs and, yeah. And, and some of the uh, smaller Asian cars. But, you know, uh, then you just, everywhere you look now, it, uh, cars are spending a lot of, uh, uh, car brands are spending a lot of money in movies. Uh, think about what the Red Ferrari did for the vacation movies, what the Red Ferrari did for Ferris Bueller's Day yeah, Off. Yeah, I was going to say, that, yeah. <laughs> that mean, was a big one. I mean, even, even Chevy got in the game with Transformers. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the first Bumblebee right was a Volkswagen Beetle in the comics. In the comics. And they switched it out for a Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a good looking Camaro. It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. In I mean, fact, yeah. if you watch the first Transformers movie, there's they do a little sort of nod to the past, and there is when he goes the, the main character goes to to buy Bumblebee, which is like this wrecked up old Camaro. Next to it is this wrecked up yellow beetle beetle oh. and the and the camaro door open bumblebee that the camaro opens the door and he hits the beetle and so it's like a little it's a little know, insider yeah insider what they call in the movie industry the easter an egg. easter egg. yeah and i'll tell you what if you don't it, it for for anybody out there so off of cars for a minute anybody out there that watches these movies if you do nothing else but just look for easter eggs in all of these star wars movies these uh, marvel movies the the dc universe oh the star trek movies oh. any everything everybody puts yeah easter eggs in and they're the so cool i mean there are there are podcasts youtube guys there are people that they spend their whole life just finding these easter eggs and it's really pretty cool it actually makes the viewing experience if you've already seen a movie you know, unless you're Aaron, who hasn't seen Smoking the Bandit. Know. You know, <laughs> if you've seen it about ten times, then you can go back and watch it and look for that other stuff. You have seen Ferris Bueller's Day I Robert. have seen that, Bueller. yes. That's one of my favorites. Bueller. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, that, when that Ferrari rolled out of the back of that garage, I mean, as a kid, I just remember going, oh, my God, the trouble that they're, <laughs> they're going to be in. Did you know that they had to switch out the transmission in that Ferrari? They had to make it an automatic because Matthew Broderick couldn't drive a stick. Yep. Yep. At least that's what yeah, I that's that. what I had read. Yeah, yeah. never knew that. <laughs> so it's amazing the kind of things that they'll do to make things happen. I I think uh, actually uh, originally it wasn't even going to be a Ferrari. It was going to be a Mercedes 500 SL, but um, 
and the Mercedes 500 SL, I don't know what year Ferris Bueller's Day Off was probably what, like mid 80s, something like that, right? Mid to late 80s? I think it was probably, yeah, probably in, mid. Yeah, yeah, probably in the early 80s. What year was that car? 61? It was an older one. It, it was, was a, a vintage. It was yeah. a vintage, but you know, if they would have went with even an '87 or an '88 500 SL Mercedes, I mean, that was a pretty big deal back then. That car, um, you know, the the Mercedes SL didn't really get the legs. It, it had legs for a long time because I think the the thing that was really special about the Mercedes SL, and even though it's a car that is really not necessarily featured in any of the movies we're talking about, but. Um, the the SL brand the the SL model Mercedes which is the convertible two door Mercedes came out in the the there was a body style that went from early sixties all the way to late eighties without changing. That's that's that, almost unheard of. It, it's mm -hmm. potentially though it uh, this is something I have to fact check, but it's potentially one of the it's the car that has the longest run with the same body style, and because of that, it 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 was for a long time one of the cars that you could buy that it just didn't depreciate because there was never a new model to make the old model irrelevant so um uh, that car you know if you bought it you could sell it 10 15 years later and you wouldn't lose any money on it then they changed the body style and the body style took a while for people to warm up to as you can imagine when it's been out for so long but um uh, so now I think the Mercedes SL is a little bit of in a state of flux. I'm not really sure where they're going to go. We have an 85 380 SL here, and uh, that was my father's car. And, uh, you know, I'm never going to get rid of that thing. So who knows what 20 or 30 years will do right. for, exactly. for that car's value. But it won't matter because that car is going to be in my family for as long as I'm around. That's for sure. Absolutely. So have you seen um, Back to the Future, Aaron? I have, okay. yes. So we're talking about these iconic cars. What about that car? The DeLorean. The, the DeLorean. I thought the worst car on the planet ever. It was not a good car then. It's still not a good car now. I, I, I actually think it was a good car for that movie because it kind of fit. It was a good car for that movie, yeah. and that was about it. But that yeah. was about it. Like The first time I was out in L.A. and I actually saw one of those things, I was like, what the heck is this thing? Yeah. I, I just... Well, it, it, I didn't even like the way it looked. I, I think yeah. most people didn't like it even when it came out, and and then it 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 was um, it its claim to fame then became that it was used to smuggle cocaine across the border. They would they would pack the inside of those cars with cocaine. There was a big ring on that, oh. uh, and. Uh, this is a funny. Uh, That's great to be known for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know the story. I just know that there's something. There's some tie between cocaine and the DeLorean, but and they were all that same stainless steel, that brushed stainless steel body. Um, so we had one. This this goes back. This was about the time I started in our company. I was you know maybe eighteen, nineteen years old, and in our old shop we had a DeLorean come in for service. And we did the service on it, and then, of course, me and one of the service advisors had to take it for a quote-unquote test drive. And, and, you know, we just went around the block in the thing. Uh, but we, 
the the movie Back to the Future had already come out. This this car was already famous for that. We pulled up to some kids that were coming off the school bus, and I'll never forget my brother-in-law. He rolled down the window, looked at them, and said, "Hey, do you guys know where we could find a flux capacitor?" Oh, <laughs> and they said, "Well, Napa Auto Parts is right up the road." <laughs> As if it was real. Yeah. <laughs> the power of movies, right? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. I think for me, the the movie that really got me interested in cars was Gone in sixty seconds, the the remake with Nicolas Cage. Right. I think that one really opened my eyes to to cars in general. What was um, uh, What was he driving on that? That was the Shelby. The, the last, the Eleanor Ooh. car in the end that he was he was. The last one. I mean, there's lots of cars. Oh, in there. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that movie was okay. Listen, Nicholas Cage is good in to me. He, I, I like his role in um, what is it? The history. Oh, uh, National Treasure. Like oh, National, National Treasure. Yeah, yeah. Con Air was pretty good. Yeah. yeah Con Air was. was it was entertaining. Gone absolutely. in sixty seconds. Probably my favorite part of that movie is when he drove the car through the dealership uh, showroom yeah. glass. That was pretty. Yeah. Good. We're not recommending anybody <laughs> come in here and do no. that here. Just saying. But that was that was kind of yeah. neat. Um, it's funny. It's nowadays you see. I mean. Like even in like for for younger people, you see the cars in these different movies, and it's kind of associated with um, these movies. Like Twilight, you have all the the Volvos. Volvo was a right. huge yeah. part of that. Right. I mean, with the Marvel films, you see the Audis. I mean, well, and if you notice, like Volvo's product placement in the Twilight movies is so perfect because I think the, I think those movies were set like in Washington State or somewhere, right? Yeah. And, you know, Volvo has always sort of catered to that more outdoorsy, mm -hmm. hiking, you know, I think a lot of their commercials were on back roads in Washington yeah. or in some national yeah. park or something like that. You know, Subaru does the same thing. Um, and so it's perfect for that. You would expect to see yeah, them it's driving like a commercial. Volvos, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying you should expect to see vampires yeah. driving <laughs> Volvos, but no, but it really, from Washington it really does State. go to the yeah. lifestyle. It's those all those lifestyle, perfect moment for them to put their car in a movie. The, is is the lifestyle that they're that they're projecting? Mm -hmm. So uh, I was getting a haircut and I was talking. To, we were, I was talking to someone about the topic of this week's podcast, and uh, I mentioned that I mean we couldn't even have this podcast. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about one of the biggest, most iconic cars and movies ever, especially for a Universal Imports Grease and Glamour podcast, and that would be. Her 1963 Volkswagen Beetle. The love bug. Herbie. And so I'm telling the, the lady who's, um, you know, uh, cutting my hair this morning, I said, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about Herbie. And she goes, oh, I love that movie, the one with Lindsay Lohan. The like, remake. Oh. Oh. Actually, I, I think I've only seen that one, too, so of I course, can't even say anything. Of course you did, Aaron. Oh, my gosh. Of course you did. I mean, <laughs> now that was Buddy Hackett in Buddy right? Hackett. Oh, my oh. gosh, what a... Listen, what a great movie, the you, first one. You know, and the thing about that for me, coming from the film and television side, you know, um, back then there were no real digital effects. You know, there was no effects to be. It, it was all practical. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the driving car and everything that it had to do, there was nobody, you know, drawing that. It was literally mechanical. They had to make it. Yep. They had to create a seat that looked like, you know, this person's hiding in the seat to be able to actually steer and drive the car. Yeah. The hood, everything that goes—it's unbelievable. Well, interesting fact, and you may or may not know this because I know you've in the past done some work with Disney. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
Herbie the Love Bug was the last live action movie that Walt Disney signed off on. Absolutely. Uh, and that's kind of cool. Uh, so can anybody here tell me what Herbie's number is? Oh, oh man. Oh. You've seen it five million times, yeah. or at Probably. least I, yeah. Jay has. But. Uh, yeah, I yeah, because I'm a lot older. So, but I still don't. I, you know what? I'm gonna say ten. Fifty-three. Oh, uh, that was my I second guess. I wouldn't even guess that. <laughs> Fifty-three. Yep. Herbie the Love Bug. I that that there was another. There was a TV car that was also a well. It was a little bit. It was in the seventies, and it was called Wonder Bug, and it was one of the. Um, it was one of the Croft. The the there was Sid and Marty Croft. Croft. Yeah, the, yep. the the Croft superstar shows that they had on Saturday morning. So, you know, there's Saturday morning cartoons, and then after the cartoons were over, like maybe at nine thirty or something, the Sid and Marty Croft hour or oh they had two hours yeah, came they, on. Yeah, they had so and you many. Had Sigmund and the Sea, sea Monster mon and the Banana Split. Yeah. I believe was theirs. <laughs> and um, Wonderbug was great. I Wonderbug, loved... and then what was the other uh, Sid and Marty Croft? Um, was it? Who, where was Witchy Poo? Was that Witchy Poo? Was yeah, that in Sigmund? I don't know. No. Oh, I don't know. Was not in, uh, oh, Sigmund. Yeah. Have you ever seen Sigmund and the Sea Monster? Jodie Whittaker. I, I, I loved Sigmund and the Sea Monster. We're not even going to talk about Jodie Whittaker <laughs> with Aaron. He has no idea who, who in the heck that is. All right, Aaron. So we're going to give you the floor. So let's talk about uh, some cars besides Gone in 60 Seconds that are iconic for you. Um. Okay, so, I mean, for me, I've really noticed Audis and cars. So Civil War, the the Captain America. Mm -hmm. um, so that one I feel another like Marvel, right? that was another Marvel one. That one I feel like it was like a, a whole just Audi commercial. I feel like because there was. were so many different. I think like the seventeen R eight was in that one. Um, there were just so many different cars, but it just well, opened my eyes up. It to doesn't it. surprise me that Audi is the one we keep talking about when we talk about product placement in movies, and that is because. Audi is owned, the mother company is Volkswagen. Volkswagen, really, for, I mean, for as long as I can remember, even when I was a kid, they had the best advertising. I, think about it. it. You probably can't remember too many other cars' slogans, but you can remember Farford Nugan. Aaron, do you remember Farford Nugan? I don't remember. Oh, no. You know what? This is going to be We're a trying great here. I know. I'm, I'm over what? Five now? Over ten. It's okay. All right. So I'm going to give you guys one trivia question. We'll see who gets it right. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then we're going to put it over to Aaron to give us a little bit of uh, automotive news. Uh, fun automotive news, as I, I like to think of it. Right on. Um, okay. So this is going to be a bit of a challenge. This is going to be, there's going to be two, two, two questions here. The first question is... What movie used, and listen to my wording here because I'm giving some clues away, what movie used a very hideous looking car that was roughly based off of a 1979 Ford LTD Country, uh, country Squire station wagon? Hideous looking car. Hideous looking car. About the most hideous looking car. Okay. Uh, Ghostbusters? Was, no. No. Uh, it's a station wagon. A station wagon, okay. Vacation. Yep. Well, there National it is. Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> it, best, best line in that movie is when Eugene Levy is looking at Chevy Chase and says, uh, 
What, you didn't order the Metallic P family truck strip? <laughs> no, I ordered the Antarctic Blue family fun wagon. <laughs> Isn't that the one with the grandmother? Yeah. Imogene Coca? <laughs> yep. At some point, they, they tie her to the roof? Uh, the, hands down, my favorite movie of all times. There's there's nothing that will ever come close to, the, to the first vacation movie for me. Um, okay, well, the second one, the second one would be the 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor Ambulance Limo. Okay, that has to be Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's Ghostbusters. Thank you. Right. Okay. <laughs> yep, and Ghostbusters. That was a pretty cool car. The the I went to uh, went to the SEMA show uh, back in 2004 with one of our parts managers, and we we were able to see the the Ghostbusters vehicle they used in the movie. And it's really neat. That is cool. It's super cool. I think the first car just uh, that I have to talk about that we saw, that I saw like that was the actual Batmobile oh. from the original Batmobile. How did we miss the Batmobile? Oh my god! That's, There's so many cars we're missing. There but, are. Yeah, we, we so many five-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, 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 oh, and by the way, if you got you know ideas for our podcast, make sure you send them in to Grease Glamour Podcast at gmail.com. I'm sure people are going to hear this and they're going to say, no, you're wrong about that. That's okay. Yeah. You know what? We're just throwing it out there. We're not yeah. saying everything is exactly as it is. But no. uh, This is three three people just having a conversation. Yeah. We're recording it for, for maybe our benefit, hopefully for yours. But, um, Aaron, how about some news? Okay. So, so lately, sales of used cars have grown over the sales of new cars. According to Forbes, the trend has been favoring used cars over newer ones, taking into account a few different factors, including the rising gas prices as well as the affordability. So Edmonds reported that nearly 4 million vehicles were leased in 2015 and began returning to dealer lots this year. So new cars may be set to gather dust while this boom in used cars is taking place. Uh, I can completely get that whole thing because when I look at what a new car costs, it blows my mind, and I'm in this business. Yeah. That's all I ever used to yeah. do was buy new cars, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore. So yeah. now, and you know. and you know, leasing, you know, leasing is really, uh, and I'm not here to say leasing is good or bad because for everybody's situation, it's different. Uh, however, you look at the rest of the world, and uh, very few countries really buy into the whole leasing program of cars. People buy cars and they keep them. And usually keep them for a long time. I'm not necessarily suggesting people do that because I need to still sell cars. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you look at you, you look at even some base model entry level cars, and you know they're they're getting getting close to thirty grand. And uh, and then you look at some just some sort of run of the mill pickup trucks can get into the fifties, sixties without a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it doesn't that doesn't surprise me. All right, so BMW is coming out with a 2019 X5, which is redesigned, and the vehicle has grown in so many different ways. The newly designed X5, it's longer, wider, smarter. Um, According to autonews.com, BMW is introducing a semi-autonomous driving system that allows for hands-free and pedal-free driving at speeds below 37 miles per hour. For the first time as well, BMW will be using an in-camera um, system in the cabin to address challenging with challenges with the semi-autonomous driving. The X5 has been BMW's best-selling crossover. It will come with an option of two gasoline engines, and in 2020, a plug-in hybrid option is expected. The 2019 X5 will arrive in the U.S. in November. 
What do you guys think about the autonomous driving? I'm scared to death. <laughs> I think it's a horrible idea. I just, I yeah, I, it makes me nervous. I'm already nervous on the road with yeah. people the way they drive. And now we're just going to turn it over. And yeah, we're not exactly. even going to pay. No. Listen, I'm all about, I'm all about advanced technology, man. When a new app comes out on the iPhone, I'm the first yeah. one to get it. But autonomous driving just, just uh, scary. I it's scary. I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out. But what I'm scared about is the um the uh how do I put this? The torture we're all going to have to go through until they figure it out because it's going to be trial and error. So there's there's going to be a lot of missteps before they get it right. And how are they gonna how are they gonna do those missteps without endangering people's lives? I don't think they're gonna be able to because <laughs> yeah. they can't do this all on test tracks. Well, yeah. you know what makes me nervous too is the the whole in camera system. I don't know, just having the in camera in the cabin with me. I don't know how it makes me feel. I don't know. If it would make me feel more comfortable, I got, or I got or news what? for you. There's a camera that's walking around with you all day long, every day. <laughs> yeah. That's called that's, your phone. That's true. Listen, <laughs> we already see enough stuff going on when you pull up next to somebody in a car, and what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure I want people to actually, you know, be able to log on or hack into my account somehow and, and watch me as I'm true. driving. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. singing, I sing. So I think it's a, I think it's great that we're making advancements, and I think that one day we'll get there, and hopefully we'll all be comfortable with it. But until then, I'm gonna be worried. What else you got? All right. So the 2018 Audi Q5 and Q7 have earned five-star safety ratings from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the highest possible ratings. According to Automotive World, the overall score is based on frontal and side crash tests, as well as evaluating rollover resistance. The 2018 Audi Q5 and Q7 feature driver assistance systems designed to help drivers navigate the road with peace of mind. These newer models have options for Audi PreSense, which can help the vehicle prepare for impending collision. And the Audi Q5 was also named in 2017 an Insurance Institute Highway Safety Top Safety Pick and earned a superior rating for its front crash prevention. The Q5 was also awarded the Kelly Blue Book Best Buy Award among all SUVs and crossovers. Well, I like to hear that. No, I think it's great. You know, and, and again, like when we, we start talking about technology, for me, I don't know about you guys, but safety. That's, that's, that's the key. For most people, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, uh, and I, going back to, you know, being, being over in Germany and, and spending time in the Audi factory, they really drive home that all of their, you know, th their focus is, is the technology to make the car safer. So it's not just the technology like blind spot monitoring or collision warning, but it's like the, the, the hardened steel in certain areas and how they, and how they, in fact, I've read, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm 98% sure that Audi was the first company to, to perform crash tests with crash test dummies. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not a 100% sure of that, but I think that's what it is. So you'd have to go look that up and see. Um, well, uh, do you have any other stories? Are we good? So in, in more interesting news, a Saudi inventor has created the world's first calorie burning Audi. Um, Nassar Al Shawaf teamed up with a Dutch firm BPO to create a fit car prototype, which swaps a throttle pedal for bicycle pedals. On the outside, it looks like an ordinary Audi A4. However, in the inside, the car has bicycle pedals, which allow the car's onboard computer to turn the driver's effort into a throttle effect. 
Um, in the fit car, you can now exercise while you drive, and studies have shown that a calorie burn of 300 or more um, per 30 minutes has actually happened. So what you're saying is he reinvented a bicycle. He did, with an Audi. <laughs> Oh. It also has another feature on it that she didn't mention, and that is your when your power window doesn't work when you go through the drive-through at the fast food restaurant. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything, everything shuts down. It reminds me of the movie Bugsy Malone with Scott Bayo, where it was all kids and it was based on the you know the uh, the gangster era and stuff. And in this movie, they they had cars, but they they pedaled them around. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Look it up, Bugsy Malone. Interesting. Jodie Foster and Scott Bayo. Little piece of news. There. Oh. See, yeah, I, they reinvented it. I thought of the Flintstones car yeah, when, she, when, she was reading, when she was reading that, and all I could hear in the back of my head was, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess any, any or all of us could be an inventor at this point. It's true. Right? Yes. Well, I think that is going to conclude uh, this episode of Grease and Glamour podcast. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, this is our very first podcast, so this is a little bit of... Um, you know, figuring out what works, what doesn't. So we certainly appreciate your feedback. Um, my name is Mark Fierbacher. I'm the president of Universal Imports, and you can reach me at mark, M-A-R-K, at universalimports.com. If you have any questions on import cars, um, or, you know, whether it uh, is in regards to the sale of a car or um, service on your car, Aaron? You can also reach me, Aaron, at ekane at universalimports.com if you have any questions with cars or car-related features or help finding stuff. Um, just give me an email. And again, Jay Lawrence here. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want to send in any ideas, send them over to me at greaseglamourpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see if we can get it in the next uh next few shows yeah and don't forget if you have time to visit our website universalimports.com or for our podcast you can visit greaseglamour.com the and is not in there so it's greaseglamour.com uh, that will give you a list of our podcasts you'll also be able to find us hopefully wherever podcasts are available and if you need any information on cars visit us at universalimports.com we look forward to talking to you answering your questions we look forward to getting some feedback and some information from you as to what you'd like to hear on future podcasts and until next time we're signing out from grease and glamour podcast have a great day take care now Bye.